I'm continuing with the autobiography of Malcolm X, chapter 2, Mascot. I will continue with the, on page 30, from the second paragraph. It was some kind of psychic message, not just from them, but also from within myself. I am proud to be able to say that much, that much for myself at least. I would just stand around and smile and talk and drink punch and eat sandwiches and then I would make it some excuse and get away early. They were typical small town school dances, sometimes a little white band from Lansing would be brought in to play, but most often the music was a phonograph set up on a table with the volume turned up high and the record scratchy, blaring things like Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade. His His band was riding high then, or the Ink Spots, who were also very popular, singing If I Didn't Care. If I didn't care More than words can say If I didn't care I used to spend a lot of time thinking about a peculiar thing. Many of these Mason white boys, like the ones at the Lansing School, especially if they knew me well, and if we hung out a lot together, would get me off in a corner somewhere and push me to proposition certain white girls, sometimes their own sisters. They would tell me that they'd already had the girls themselves, including their sisters, or that they were trying to and couldn't. Later on, I came to understand what was going on. If they could get the girls into the position of having broken the terrible taboo by slipping off with me some, somewhere, they would have the hammer over the girl's head to make them give in to them. It seemed that the white boys felt that I, being a Negro, just naturally knew more about romance or sex than they did, that I instinctively knew more about what to do and say with their own girls. I never did tell anybody that I really went for some of the white girls, and some of them went for me too. They let me know in many ways, but any time we found ourselves in any close conversations or potentially intimate situations, Always there would come up between us some kind of a wall. The girls I really wanted to have were a couple of Negro girls from Wilfred or Filbert had introduced me to in Lansing. Excuse me, I'll read that again. The girls I really wanted to have were a couple of Negro girls whom Wilfred and Filbert had introduced me to in Lansing. But with these girls... Somehow I lacked the nerve. From what I heard and saw on the second on, on the Saturday nights I spent hanging around in the Negro district, I knew that race mixing went on in Lansing. But strangely enough, 
This didn't have any kind of effect on me. Every Negro in Lansing, I guess, knew how white men would drive along certain streets in the black neighborhoods and pick up Negro streetwalkers who patrolled the area. And on the other hand, there was a bridge that separated the Negro and Polish neighborhoods where white women would drive or walk across and pick up Negro men who would hang around in certain places close to the bridge waiting for them. Lansing's white women, even in those days, were famous for chasing Negro men. I didn't yet appreciate how most whites accord to the Negro this reputation for prodigious sexual prowess. There in Lansing, I never heard of any trouble about this mixing from either side. I imagine that everyone simply took it for granted as I did. Anyway, from my experience as a little boy at the Lansing School, I had become fairly adept at avoiding the white girl issue, at least for a couple of years yet. Then, in the second semester of the seventh grade, I was elected class president. It surprised me even more than other people. But I can see now why the class might have done it. My grades were almost the highest in the school. I was unique in my class, like a pink poodle, and I was proud. I'm not going to say I wasn't. In fact, by then, I didn't really have much feeling about being a Negro because I was trying so hard in every way I could to be white, which is why I'm spending much of my life today telling the American black man that he's wasting his time straining to integrate I know from personal experience, I tried hard enough. Malcolm, we're just so proud of you, Mrs. Swirlin exclaimed when she heard about my election. It was all over the restaurant where I worked. Even the state man, Maynard Allen, who still dropped by to see me once in a while, had a word of praise. He said he never saw anybody prove better exactly what reform meant i really liked him except for one thing he now and then would drop something that hinted my mother had let us down somehow fairly often i would go and visit the lions and they acted as happy as though i was one of their children and it was the same warm feeling when I went to, into Lansing to visit my brothers and sisters and the Gohanas. I remember one thing that marred this time for me, the movie Gone with the Wind. When it played in Mason, I was the only Negro in the theater. And when Butterfly McQueen went into her act, I felt like crawling under the rug. Every Saturday, just about, I would go into Lansing. I was going on 14 now. Wilfred and Hilda still lived out by themselves at the old family home. Hilda kept the house very clean. It was easier than my mother's plight, with eight of us always underfoot or running around. Wilfred worked wherever he could, and he still read every book he could get his hands on. Philbert was getting a reputation as one of the better amateur fighters in this part of the state. Everyone really expected that he was going to become a professional. 
Reginald and I, after the fighting fiasco, had finally gotten back on good terms. It made me feel great to visit him and Wesley over at Mrs. Williams. I'd offhandedly give them a couple of dollars to just stick in their pockets to have something to spend. And little Yvonne and Robert were doing okay too over at the home of the West Indian lady, Mrs. McGuire. I'd given them about a quarter apiece. It made me feel good to see how they were coming along. None of us talked much about our mother, and we never mentioned our father. I guess none of us knew what to say. We didn't want anybody else to mention our mother either, I think. From time to time, though, we would all go over to Kalamazoo to visit her. Most often, we older ones went singly, for it was something you didn't want to have to experience with anyone else present, even your brother or sister. During this period, the visit to my mother that I most remember was toward the end of that seventh grade year when our father's grown daughter by his first marriage, Ella, came from Boston to visit us. Wilfred and Hilda had exchanged some letters with Ella and I at Hilda's suggestion, had written to her from the Swirlins. We were all excited and happy when her letter told us that she was coming to Lansing. I think the major impact of Ella's arrival, at least upon me, was that she was the first really proud black woman I had ever seen in my life. She was plainly proud of her very dark skin. This was unheard of among Negroes in those days, especially in Lansing. I hadn't been sure just what she would just what day she would come and then one afternoon I got home from school and there she was she hugged me stood me away looked me up and down a commanding woman maybe even bigger than Mrs. Swirlin Ella wasn't just black but like our father she was jet black the way she sat moved talked did everything bespoke somebody who did and got exactly what she wanted this was the woman my father had boasted of so often for having brought so many of their family out of georgia to boston she owned some property he would say and he was and she was in society she had come north with nothing and she had worked and saved and had invested in property that she built up in value and then she started sending money to Georgia for another sister, brother, cousin, niece, or nephew to come north to Boston. All that I had heard was reflected in Ella's appearance and bearing. I had never been so impressed with anybody. She was in her second marriage. Her first husband had been a doctor. Ella asked all kinds of questions about how I was doing. She had already heard from Wilfred and Hilda about my election as class president. She asked especially about my grades, and I ran and got my report cards. I was then one of the three highest in the class. Ella praised me. I asked her about her brother, Earl, and her sister, Mary. She had the exciting news that Earl was a singer with a band in Boston. He was singing under the name of Jimmy Carlton. Mary was also doing well. 
Ella told me about other relatives from that branch of the family, a number of them I'd never heard of. She had helped them up from Georgia. They, in their turn, had helped up others. We littles have to stick together, Ella said. It thrilled me to hear her say that, and even more, the way she said it. I had become a mascot. Our branch of the family was split to pieces. I had just about forgotten about being a little in any family since. She said that different members of the family were working in good jobs, and some even had small businesses going. Most of them were homeowners. When Ella suggested that all of us littles in Lansing accompany her on a visit to our mother, we all were grateful. We all felt that if anyone could do anything that could help our mother, that might, that might help her get well and come back, it would be Ella. Anyway, all of us, for the first time together, went with Ella to Kalamazoo. Our mother was smiling when they brought her out. She was extremely surprised when she saw Ella. They made a striking contrast, the thin, near-white woman and the big black one hugging each other. I don't remember much about the rest of the visit, except that there was a lot of talking and Ella had everything in hand, and we left with all of us feeling better than we ever had about the circumstances. I know that for the first time, I felt as though I had visited with someone who had some kind of physical illness that had just lingered on. Let me read that again. I know, I know that for the first time, I felt as though I had visited someone, I had visited with someone who had some kind of physical illness that had just lingered on. A few days later, after visiting the homes where each of us were staying, Ella left Lansing and returned to Boston. But before leaving, she told me to write to her regularly. And she had suggested that I might like to spend my summer holiday visiting her in Boston. I jumped at the chance. All right, I'm going to stop here on page 34, chapter 2, Mascot of the Autobiography of Malcolm X. Peace and blessings.